Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Chrisman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week I bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, professors of theater education, and teaching artists that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. So grab your coffee or glass of wine, plug in your headphones, or turn up your car stereo, and relax. Thanks for joining me for these heartwarming conversations and practical advice from other theater teachers on the front lines making a difference in their students' lives each and every day. I am very excited to welcome to this episode of Fed Talks Michael Avila, who has been in theater education for 20 years and is currently at the University of Texas at Austin. And I am excited to talk with you because I don't get to talk to theater ed professors very often on here. And I'm looking forward to hearing all about it. So welcome to the show, Michael. Um, if you would just kind of share your story with us and, and how we got to where you are now here at um, University of Texas at Austin. Sure. Uh, first of all, thank you, Jimmy, uh, so much for having me. And uh, yeah, this is exciting. You are absolutely correct. We as teachers of teachers uh, don't get to connect as often. So so yeah, this is exciting for me as well. Uh, yeah, my name is Michael Avila. Um, I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas, uh, on the border with uh, Juarez, Mexico. Um, and um, yeah, I, I left El Paso uh, in about 1995, 1996. And um, I, I did my undergraduate work in San Antonio, Texas, at Our Lady of the Lake University. Um, and I went into my undergraduate thinking that I wanted to do journalism and I wanted to do uh, communications. And I was told that theater classes paired really nicely for those of us wanting to enter the world of, of journalism and communications. And so one theater class led to another theater class led to another theater class. And before you knew it, I ended up graduating with a double major in, um, in communications and uh, theater. And, and who, would have, who would have known that, yeah, uh, many, many years later, I have rarely used my communications degree and leaned more into the theater degree. Um, shortly after my undergraduate uh, career was over, I, I uh, pursued a, a teaching certificate and did some nonprofit work and ended up in my first teaching position at a high school um, in the San Antonio area. And I taught high school theater for 10 years in the San Antonio area, um, and then got my master's degree from the University of Houston in theater education, which then led to an administration, a position in administration as a fine arts coordinator for San Antonio Independent School District. And then about five years ago, um, um, you know, a, an opportunity presented itself to uh, teach at the University of Texas in the BFA theater education program, which we affectionately call You Teach Theater. Um, and that is where I've been for the last five years. So um, lots of, lots of um, other opportunities, uh, you know, from, from where I started to where I am now that gave me a little, you know, side, side journeys and, and, and adventures. But yeah, for the past five years, I've, I've been an assistant professor of instruction in uh, the theater education program in the Department of Theater and Dance at UT Austin. That's fantastic. So I, I would love to know, um, I've got several things I want to, I want to go into with you, but did, before you got into college, did, had, did you have theater experience? Did you do theater in school or the community beforehand? So I, my earliest memories, um, are in the, believe it or not, in elementary school, I did kind of oral interpretation. And I remember my fifth grade teacher saying, oh, you're, you're, you're such a storyteller. You're so animated. There's this great event um, called, um, 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 uh, I don't remember what the official title was. It was kind of, well, here in Texas, we have uh, the University Interscholastic League or UIL mm -hmm. um, that, you know, provides opportunities for competitions for, for public schools. Um, and I remember my earliest experience with that was doing oral, oral interpretation or storytelling. And so I, I dabbled in it. In middle school, I became a band kid, and I actually wanted to be a band director for, for many years. I was really heavily influenced by my band directors and my music teachers. Um, in middle school, I did, I, I was in band, but I still took theater. So there's always been that kind of interest. I just never quite saw it as a career option, which is very ironic. 
um, and, and what I share with my students now, because as, as theater teachers, we always kind of push the acting and we push the, the directing and the technical and design elements and areas of theater. And we don't elevate or uplift the, the role of teachers uh, when it comes to theater. Um, so yeah, after I, I pushed, I, 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 I continued on in band in high school, I got into journalism, which I, which I mentioned. Um, but it wasn't until college where my undergraduate professor, uh, Rick Slocum, um, actually we were in, being in San Antonio, uh, we are in close proximity to South Texas, uh, which, or, or what we call the Rio Grande Valley. And he sent me down there for a theater conference that was happening with young people. And I had directed a short play as part of one of my courses uh, in undergrad. And um, it was a short play called El Sapo, uh, which dealt with uh, a, a, young, a young person, you know, kind of growing up in the valley. And then he said, why don't you go present this to students down in the Rio Grande Valley? And I mean, I, I was young, you know, I was an undergrad, still an undergrad, you know, kind of, you know, early, early 20s. You know, and and but I remember that experience of working with young people and presenting work with young people that spoke to them and that they could connect with. And that just changed everything for me. And from there, I thought, oh, I can see myself now using my theater skills to connect with young people. And it was then that I saw that as a career option. Um, so so, yeah, various, you know, um, you know, experiences and 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 various interests, but it all connected for me at that point. And so when you were, when you, when, once you graduated, you, you shared that you, you did some nonprofit work and then yeah. decided to get your teaching certificate then what yeah. it, and I, I'm, I'm going to connect dots in my head, but I want to hear you connect them for me. What, um, what, what inspired you to want to get your certificate and get head into a classroom? So, yeah, one of the first jobs I had uh, after graduation um, from my undergrad, after receiving my undergraduate degree, was uh, there, there's an outstanding organization in San Antonio um, called the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center and the Guadalupe Theater. And being um, Latino and being from um, El Paso and, and growing up, you know, being bilingual and 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 bicultural and, and binational because we traveled back and forth between El Paso and and Juarez and Mexico, you know, regularly during my childhood. I, I, I had that, that sensibility for wanting to work in the cultural arts and wanting to work in, in, in multicultural spaces. And my university, Our Lady of the Lake, is in the west side of San Antonio, which San Antonio itself is predominantly, you know, uh, Latinx. And the location of the university is in a very, very densely populated uh, um, uh, Latinx community. And so the Guadalupe Theater was not too far from the university. So it was there that I got those, um, uh, that job opportunity of also working with young people and setting up uh, classes across the disciplines. So in um, music, uh, we had a Mati program, we had a ballet folklorico, so there was a dance program. Um, and then we had a, a group for young people called Grupo Animo. So I facilitated classes. I wasn't quite teaching them yet. I was bringing in teaching artists to teach the classes, but I got to see a lot of what was happening. At that point, after being there for, for a couple of years, a friend of mine who had graduated from uh, Our Lady of the Lake with me was teaching English uh, at, at a local high school and the theater teacher left. And she knew that I was doing work in the theater community. I was also auditioning for shows in San Antonio and I did a couple of productions there. Um, but she approached me and said, hey, our theater teacher is leaving. Um, are you interested? And, and I, I, you know, talk about connecting the dots. I, I didn't, con I'm, I'm like, what do you mean? Am I interested in what? And she said, are you interested in being our theater teacher? I said, but I have no, I don't have a teaching certificate. And, and she said, well, we, she explained to me the whole process. So, so I actually went the alternative certification route. Um, and so I, I, I interviewed with the principal. I, I, I got to know a little bit more about um, the, uh, the program. And so I ended up as the theater teacher at uh, Southside High School. Uh, outside of San Antonio. And that's when I began my formal teaching career in a classroom setting. So what that, that I'm thinking your first day right now, but I guess that whole first year, what was that like for you? And what, uh, like talk about that learning curve for you. It was about survival. 
um, I, I was, you know, just trying to, and, and I had friends who, who were teachers, um, some who were theater teachers and some who were English teachers. Um, and I just really relied on the experiences that I have, had had as a theater maker. I did theater throughout my undergraduate career. I, I pretty much was in every show that we produced at Our Lady of the Lake. And, you know, so um, luckily the, my, my community, my undergraduate community was very close knit and I was able to, to lean on them like, oh, you know, what, what, what shows should I introduce to these students at this high school? And, you know, my professors gave me some ideas. And so it was just kind of stitching things together because I did not have that formal training in pedagogy um, and in, you know, classroom management, right? And um, so, yeah, it was very much about survival. I was also trying to, to complete my certification, which there is value in alternative certification, but you don't get that well-rounded um, training that you do, theater-specific training that you do in a in an undergraduate program like the ones that you and I currently teach in so so yes it was a rough year I actually in between that teaching position and my next campus I actually took a couple of years off to um to process and kind of figure out my next steps so so there there were some gaps in there as well um but then I ended up um, working at, uh, my second uh, classroom was at um, Wagner High School in Judson Independent School District, also outside of San Antonio. And I ended up there for four years as department chair. So um, I got more of that administrative experience. And then from there, I moved on to um, uh, Thomas Jefferson High School in San Antonio Independent School District. Um, so yeah, I throughout those, throughout those, 10 or so years of teaching and then becoming an administrator, I was really able to wrap my brain around where I started. And then I was able to coach, you know, new teachers, you know, towards those, the, as an administrator, really, really recognizing where those gaps are in terms of pedagogy, in terms of classroom management, in terms of establishing relationships and you know, how to bridge the gap from a classroom theater teacher to a director of, of high school, of a high school theater program. So yeah, it was definitely a long journey for me, wrought with kind of trial and error, for sure. <laughs> well, I, I, I have two questions and I, and I guess I should probably ask the first one and then I'll get to the next one. The, of your, your, communications work and it's probably a, a little bit of a no-brainer and there's probably teachers listening it's like Jimmy what the point is your question with that but where are where do you see the overlaps and 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 what things did you pull from that work with communications into your work with theater and theater education sure um well you know some of the the, the classes that I remember and and um I was specifically interested in um at first, I was specifically interested in print uh, journalism, but one of my professors said, oh, because you are also taking theater, you should look into broadcast journalism. So I ended up as one of the anchors <laughs> for our kind of on-campus kind of closed circuit television station. And so just that ability to kind of speak clearly and articulate and, you know, kind of pacing and rhythm and tone so that the viewers could understand what you're saying. So, you know, it, it was a lot of that, that kind of, you know, crossed over from, oh, well, that's also what I'm doing in theater, right? And we're learning about, you know, how to use the voice and, and the body, you know, as a tool for storytelling. So that was definitely a big, you know, and, and of course, you know, the public speaking skills, um, uh, written communication, you know, definitely is huge, not only, of course, in the world of journalism, but also, you know, for teachers as well, when you're communicating with parents, when you're communicating with administrators, with students, just all of your different stakeholders, it's important to be able to uh, communicate clearly and sometimes adjust your tone, right, as necessary. Uh, so that is something that I really, really took from those communication classes. And aside from that, kind of this global perspective that I think is, is just as important in theater as it is in, in journalism, you know, 
And, and I, I remember just kind of reading the news, watching the news. And then of course came the internet and kind of siphoning through what is good journalism, what is yellow journalism and, but kind of having that global perspective that then in, in, in a theater classroom, I can now, I, 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 I began introducing to my students as well. Like, you know, it's not just about the traditional canon, but how can we bring in different perspectives to the theater? How can we bring in, you know, more, um, you know, uh, stories of marginal, people of marginalized identities? So all of that came into, I took from, from those journalism classes and applied it to a more artistic, you know, um, uh, pedagogy. Yeah. So, and now your then you your work as an administrator and a um, and an arts coordinator for for the San, San Antonio school system. What what was that like? Because I, I, before I took this position, that's where I thought I saw myself going. Um, and I'm really glad I went in this direction. But I would love to know what that was like for you and and the support that you were able to give for teachers. Yeah, it, it was definitely, you know, something that I, it was a short stint for me between when I left the, the high school classroom and then when I came to, to UT, um, it was about a year or so, um, maybe a little more than a year of being an administrator. What I learned was that um, adults <laughs> are sometimes even more challenging to work with, or they're just as challenging to work with as, stu- as you know, as your K-12 you know, elementary, middle, and high school students are. Um, so just kind of not treating them as, uh, treating them as the educated professionals that they are, but also kind of giving them the support that they need, just like student K-12 students do. Kind of um, you know, establishing those relationships with the teachers, just like you would with students, so that there's an element of trust and that when you make a suggestion, they're open to it. Uh, one of my favorite parts of, of that time in my career was being able to coach um, uh, new teachers and kind of ease them into the classroom. And because just like with K-12 students, teachers come into the classroom, new teachers come in with a variety of skill sets and different levels of experience and background um, and perspective, right? And encouraging them to use those as, as a teaching tool and not as barriers. Right. Um, and OK, if, if you are bilingual, how do you use that to connect with your students? If you're not bilingual, um, you know, how can you what kind of resources can you use to communicate uh, with your students who might be English language learners? Right. So um, that that's probably what I what I most remember about is being able to to make those connections with with new teachers and, you know, really help them embrace their their skill set and their identity and how to use that in the classroom. But it was definitely challenging and in that, yeah, sometimes you have to repeat things uh, several <laughs> times and, and give instructions more than once. Yeah. Well, that seems like a natural, like a, it was a natural segue for you into the next step of your career now at, at um, UT Austin, um, training future teachers and, and still doing that coaching and that supporting and, and providing that mentorship for them as well. Um, Talk about the things that you you're doing now. I know you're 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 involved with the the uh, the, the one act uh, competitions there in Texas. The UIL that you were talking about. Um, I know you and I are serving on a, a, a focus group for theater folk. You've got lots going on. I'd love to hear about it. Sure, it, it definitely was okay. So it, it, it was such an exciting. I remember when when I first learned that 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 I had earned the position and that I was going to be teaching at UT Austin. First of all. I mean, UT Austin is considered one of the premier research universities, you know, tier one research universities, mm-hmm. uh, not just in the state, but on a national level as right. well. So so there was a little bit of that fear and anxiety of going from uh, being a, a high school teacher into um, um, a higher education space. And so it took me a while to, to kind of, you know, wrap my brain around that as well. But once I got to meet the students, um, and, and, and the classes and found out the classes that I would be teaching, you know, my own experience as a high school theater teacher really drove my curriculum mm-hmm. for these classes. What I found was these students really wanted to know what it was like for me as uh, just as you just asked, you know, what was that first year like for you? Um, and 
Now, I, of course, as discussed, you know, I came in from an alternative certification program. So I did have that, that, that different type of training. So what I was able to do was shift that. And what I didn't get from that alternative certification, I made sure that I included those gaps in, in, in the syllabi that I use now. So when I'm putting together a syllabus, I think this is important. They need to know this as, as future teachers. So um, yeah, so I currently work with primarily with our third and fourth year uh, undergraduates who are uh, pre-service teachers. And the way our program is structured is um, not only are we um, interested in developing them, further developing them as theater makers and theater artists, because most of our students come into this program uh, as a result of being involved in their high school theater programs or their middle school theater programs. So, so they're very interested in, in continuing their development as theater makers. So they take classes in acting, directing, theater history. Um, um, but then uh, they're also simultaneously taking classes uh, on the more, on the education side. So some of the classes that I currently teach are secondary methods uh, for, for theater teachers, uh, directing the young performer, uh, school organization and classroom management, and so in each of those uh, areas, I'm really able to dig into my past experience as a high school theater teacher, share what worked for me, definitely share the challenges that, that I experienced as a, as a teacher. Um, so, so that's, and, and, I, and I guide them through their certification process. When they finish our program, they, uh, they finish with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater education. And they also graduate with their uh, Texas teacher certification, uh, which allows them to teach elementary, middle school, or high school theater in the state. Um, along with that comes lots of other requirements, you know, student teaching, clinical teaching, uh, passing their certification exams. So, so that's a little of what I do in my, as an instructor, as a faculty member. Um, lots of committee work, of course. Um, but uh, you asked about, I do a lot of work. I continue my work. Um, in equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, and so something that I really focus on as part of my service as a faculty member at the University of Texas is I currently serve on the Fine Arts College of Fine Arts uh, Diversity Council. So we're really examining, you know, how we can, how we can increase the visibility and, and make sure that students of all identities and faculty and staff as well um, of all identity markers really feel seen, heard, um, and that their experiences are just as meaningful and, and valuable um, as everyone else, right? So, so that's where a lot of my, my, my service and my work outside of the classroom uh, focus uh, is what I'm focused on right now. I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, how your own uh, background, um, uh, your own cu cultural background uh, and the work that you do with Latinx theater with young people, um, talk a little bit about that because I, I and I, I know all over our country right now we're we're dealing with all kinds of things and and legislation and 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 everything. But I'd love to hear about some of the the great work that you're doing with that. Some of the good things that are happening right now too. Yeah. So um, again, <laughs> I keep going back to to my my. Where, where I came from, right? my, my, I was born and raised in El Paso and, and again in this bicultural, binational environment. And one of my grandmothers spoke English, nothing but English. One of my other, my other grandmothers spoke nothing but Spanish. So for me, it was just, uh, that's how I was raised, right? I, I lived in that and I could jump in and out of it, right? In, in this, this, um, this awareness that I wasn't just one or the other, but I was both, right? So when it came to my classroom, well, first of all, when I, I was very, very lucky that when I got to my undergraduate um, career, my one of my mentors, I, I mentioned him, uh, Rick Slocum, he was very interested in that as well. I don't think at the time that we had a name for it like we do now, culturally responsive teaching um, and directing, but we were doing shows not only, you know, uh, from the traditional canon but we were doing bilingual work. He was finding scripts for us that we could really dig into because the, the institution that I went to for undergrad also had a, a, a significant population of, of Latinx um, and Latino and Latina students. So, 
he, I, I was very lucky to have that experience. And so it just continued for me. So as I went from El Paso to San Antonio and then it ended up in my classroom, it, it just made sense for me to, to find shows that were kind of not, you know, um, what we were, you know, typically exposed to. And so I found those bilingual shows. I found shows about L- with, that centered LGBTQ uh, characters as well. Um, and, and that was important not only for me as a teacher who identifies as Latinx and LGBTQ, but it was also important for me to have my students see themselves in those stories and see that theater is not just for a certain segment of the population. Um, theater already has a, a stigma, I think, of being very elitist and kind of, you know, depending on, on where you are, you know, very high art and, you know, kind of and, and not accessible. Uh, to a lot of populations. And so I chose not to perpetuate that by choosing scripts that we were reading in class um, that centered uh, other characters of different identities that my students could connect with and also producing shows on the stage uh, that would invite my uh, black and brown students to participate in as well. So um, yeah, it, it just seemed very natural to me. It wasn't until... I guess I was, you know, five years into my teaching career that I was made aware that I was doing something that wasn't, that was different, right? That I, and that I, you know, I constantly got the question of like, oh, wh- are you doing a Shakespeare show this year? And I said, well, no, <laughs> uh, but we're doing, you know, um, Jose Rivera's uh, Marisol, right? Which, which I did for, for a competition one year. Um, or we're doing uh, Once on This Island, um, for our musical. And so the questions that I got was, where's the, where's the Shakespeare? Where's the Tennessee Williams? Where's the Moyere? And I said, that's important. It sure is. And I want all of our students to be aware of those playwrights, but I also want them to know that there's other titles out there and other stories out there. And so, yeah, it was about midway through my, through my high school teaching career that I was made aware that there was something called culturally responsive teaching and directing. And I said, well, that's something that I've been doing since I started. Right. Um, and so it just was a very natural progression for me. And now it is, and one, what the reason I was drawn to my position here at, at UT is because that is very much, you know, one of the cornerstones of our, of our teaching and our program, um, not only on a social justice level, but definitely as, uh, you know, in our program, we have pre-service teachers of all identity markers. And my goal is to empower every single one of them, whether they identify as white or they, whether they identify as, as black or Latinx, their students in their K-12 classrooms are going to be from a variety of backgrounds. And they need to be able to, they need to be ready and prepared to help those students embrace their identities by helping them see themselves in, in the world of the... Aside from choosing the scripts in class that you can study and uh, producing shows that center um, marginalized voices. What are, what other things can, can, can that theater teacher who's wanting to do, who's wanting to implement better um, culturally responsive practices in their work, what else can they, can they do to, 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 to do that? I mean, what, what are, what are some other strategies? Sure. Um, so it's important to, to realize that as teachers, I think the most effective teachers slash directors, since we're talking about theater, is to, re, is to be a lifelong learner, right? And to realize that sometimes it's okay to let the students teach us, right? And if we are wanting to direct a show that is outside of our identity markers, then let the kids themselves tell us about culture and language, and food, and music, right? And I think there's something so special and rewarding when, when a teacher gives up that, that quote-unquote power, right? And allows, the students will take ownership, not only of that particular production, but they will find themselves empowered, and they will take over that whole program. It becomes their program, not not yours as the teacher, right? Still with adult guidance and adult supervision, right? But um, yeah, finding those resources and 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 turning over that that 
exchange of information to the students. Um, also finding out about community members. And what I mean by that is, okay, so if I want to direct a show about Latinx people and Latinx culture, but I am a white director, teacher, who on my campus can I bring in as an advisor or as a consultant? Who can I ask to come in to make sure that I am serving this, this story properly, that we are delivering it with, with authenticity, right? So bringing in some of those, you know, colleagues, you know, staff members, uh, faculty members from the high school, reaching out to your community, asking if parents or guardians or any adults um, that are, you know, related to these students can come in and share their stories, right? Share, you know, through an oral history project or, or a storytelling project. Um, so I think people are probably the number one resource that, that teachers can use if they find themselves wanting to, to direct a show that is outside of their identity markers. And I understand that's difficult because um, a lot of our, our training is usually like, you have to be the expert in the room, right? You have to be that guiding force. And, and to a certain extent that is true, but we also want to, to uh, center our students and you know, make sure that we're making decisions with their best interests in mind. And that sometimes means giving up some of that power and saying, you know what, I'm not sure about that. How about we find out together? Yeah. And I think for me, when I was able to get to that point to do that, um, it was actually very freeing. Um, and it, it was, I felt a huge weight off my shoulders that I didn't have to know everything. I could learn with them. And what a richer experience for both me and the students with that. Um, being able to share our discoveries together and, and, and learn from each other and with each other. Um, but I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I, I think I'm also hearing in what you're saying that, that we, along with that lifelong learning is to continue to do the work ourselves, um, on ourselves and, and to continue to learn more and do better and be better and understand we're going to make mistakes and, apologize for those mistakes and do better going forward. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And it also opens up a whole other um, list of titles that can be done for you. Right. So you're not, you're not doing that, you know, the same shows over and over, but now you can, and yes, I agree when you're reading through a script and you're like, Ooh, what's that word there? I need to go find that out. And, and yes, doing that legwork and doing that research. Um, I think that's definitely a first layer. Like, telling yourself I need to do the work as well and not just expecting it to be handed to, to, to co to, to learn alongside with your students, but also do some of that first layer of research and, 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 and go out and seek new information. So with, with your work um, in your career so far, um, working with underserved communities, what is theater education, fine arts in general, what's their role in that? That's that's probably one of the, the biggest challenges. Um, and, and as and as um, we send pre-service teachers out into the field, whether it's as student teachers or helping them find their first um, their first job, you know, it, it really is. We really need strong teachers uh, with 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 strong skill sets to go into these underserved communities, right? Um, sometimes as the theater teacher, you are the only theater programs in some of these smaller communities, high school theater programs are the only source of theater mm -hmm. uh, in that town. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's important that, that we provide that one of the, in spite of all the legislation that is happening and the discussions around critical race theory and, and, and in Florida, don't say gay, right. You know, these, these problematic, you know, decisions that are being made here in Texas, fine arts is still a requirement for high school students to graduate. So I, I count that as, as one of the, you know, kind of, okay, that's something we can, we can kind of latch on to, right? So theater teachers are necessary, we're needed. And so whether it's a large, you know, uh, whether we're in Houston with 2 million plus people, or whether we're in small town, West Texas, right? We need those theater teachers. And I think what happens is by providing that exposure to arts education and, and, 
as a former fine arts administrator, when I say arts education, I'm talking across the disciplines, right? Theater, music, visual arts, dance. Um, that is something where, that's the reason some of those students will go to school, will get up every morning and say, I wanna go to school because I wanna play in that band, because I wanna go to rehearsal for our, our upcoming production, because I need to you know, practice my choreography for that dance recital that's coming up. So, and, and, and I think that that really, really empowers students to, to find their voice and you know, discover maybe even a career path or a, or a course of study if they wanna go into higher education. Um, the, a, a good teacher will help students in those um, underserved populations in those smaller towns find a path for themselves um, and, and find that there is something, there, there are options, right? Um, and yeah, I feel like in, we're, if we take that away, you know, we are definitely going to lose a generation of, of, of even arts patrons. I am very aware that the majority of my high school students did not go on to pursue theater as a career. But if nothing else, they learn to appreciate the art and they learn to be a patron of the arts. And so I think a, a good teacher, in, in regardless of, of where you are teaching, will help students discover that. Yeah, yeah. With your, um, I see all the time on your Facebook posts of another show you're going to, a different, a different school that you're attending uh, their production. Um, talk about your work with the, the festivals and, and the competitions and the one acts that you all have going. Because Texas, let's just be honest, you all have so much going on in the way of theater education. And I have talked with so many Texas teachers this year. Texas has it going on. So talk to me about your work with that and and. I guess your your beliefs and philosophies about about those competitions. Sure, yeah, it, it's it's a it's fun, it's exciting, it's engaging. Um, it provides jobs for theater teachers, right? Um, but we have several things. Yes, we have Texas Thespians, uh, which you know is sponsored by the Educational Theater Association. Um, uh, several of our towns, several of our cities here in Texas have musical theater competitions. So uh, in Dallas, we have Dallas Summer Musicals. Houston has the Tommy Toon Awards. Here in Austin, we have the Heller Awards for Young Artists, which is our version of the uh, Austin High School Musical Theater Awards. Um, and so uh, as, as a former high school musical theater director, um, I, one of my uh, longtime friends and collaborators, Ginger Morris, um, who, who serves as the kind of producer of those awards, um, asked me when I moved to Austin, do you want to be one of our adjudicators? And, and of course, I jumped on it and I said yes. So I get to see anywhere between six to eight uh, high school musicals each season. Um, and and provide feedback, not only to the director, but to the students as well. Written feedback on what I saw, what's working, um, maybe what to, to look at for your next production. Um, and, and it's just, it, it's grown. It has really raised the bar. That particular, uh, this particular award system has raised the bar. And we see it from year to year. The quality of the productions just gets better and better every year. Um, I, and I see everything from, you know, our, you know, kind of classical musical theater uh, pieces, um, The Music Man, Oklahoma, to some of our newer pieces, like Be More Chill and Legally Blonde. And, and so, yeah, I, I love being involved with that because not only does it recognize the artistic excellence and the teaching that is happening, um, but it also keeps me involved uh, uh, with with the with, with the Austin school system, Austin ISD, and some of our surrounding um, districts as well. So that's that's part of, of what I do now as well outside of the classroom. I'm also, um, as we mentioned, uh, the University Interscholastic League or UIL, uh, which was actually born at the University of Texas over a hundred years ago, started as a speech and debate uh, competition. Um, has now grown into one of the largest uh, high school theater festivals in, in the world, really. Um, and so in a nutshell, uh, high schools in Texas put together a 40 minute or less uh, one act play and there's different levels of competitions. So we, so we start with your zone or just depending how many schools are in your district, um, three advanced from that to the next level of by district, 
three advanced from that to area region, all the way to a state competition. Um, yeah, and, and it's, you know, it, it's a really great way for to, to continue what you are doing in the classroom, right? So in a, in a theater one class, you might be teaching the foundations, the basics, and now you're applying them to in a production setting and really letting students apply some of the concepts that they're learning uh, while letting them earn, you know, accolades, which, which I always tell my pre-service teachers, it, it shouldn't be about that, right? It should not be about the trophies. It should not be about the medals. It's about building those transferable skills like collaboration, right? Communication skills, um, discipline, time management. So yeah, so uh, as, a, as, a, as a high school teacher, I was a director uh, for UIL One Act Play. So I got to compete. I got to familiar with the system. From there, I became a contest manager, which is kind of quote unquote, the referee uh, for each contest. So as a contest manager, I make it, there's a, there's a lot of rules, which is what makes, which is what causes a lot of anxiety for our directors right here in Texas. Uh, so I became a contest manager and now I continue um, as an adjudicator. Um, so yeah, so, so those Facebook posts uh, that you're seeing is I, I, I'm in Corpus Christi or I'm in Leander, Texas, or I'm going to East Texas. So uh, that's, that's great for me because it really keeps me in touch um, with what's happening in those in those uh, high school programs, and in all your exorbitant amount of free time you have, how <laughs> does Michael feed the, his inner artist? Um, so, because of some of these connections, and 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 I mentioned my my friend Ginger Morris. So, aside from the Heller Awards, um, uh, I also uh, last summer. Uh, Ginger, we, we were trying, we were trying to bounce back from the pandemic, right? And kind of, okay, how do we bring live theater back? And, and so Ginger had the idea to produce Bring It On and the musical. And so we searched, you know, for, at first the idea was to do it outside on a football field. Um, and then kind of that idea went by the wayside and then, okay, what about a, a, a basketball a gymnasium? Um, and we tried different, just different approaches. So luckily um, uh, we ended up at the university of Texas in one of our, in one of our venues there, the McCullough theater, we were able to, to form a partnership with Texas performing arts. And so uh, Ginger and I co-directed um, uh, bring it on the musical. And so that was exciting. I, I really got, I, I had, I had not directed a show, not only because of the pandemic, I was actually going to direct two shows at the public theater in San Antonio when COVID hit and those two productions got canceled. So when offered the opportunity to direct a show with young people, right? Because Summerstock Austin, one, one of the unique qualities of Summerstock Austin is that it's it specifically targets uh, high school performers and, and college performers. So uh, it, it was definitely a great opportunity um, to, to do, uh, to do that last summer. Um, I definitely reserve my summers for that artistic work so that the, during the academic year, I can focus on my classes that I'm teaching and, you know, some of this kind of, um, community kind of service that I do with UIL and with the, with the awards. Um, but definitely summers, I look for opportunities to, to, to engage a, a, as an artist. Um, so yeah. Well, I wasn't, uh, going to bring up COVID, but you did. So I'm going to go down that road a little bit. Um, I, I've heard from, from teachers all year long, elementary through high school, um, how this has impacted their work and impacted their students. Um, I'd love to hear how this has been for you and your, your college students. And cause I, I, I know they've been impacted just from what I see every day with them. Um, I'd love to hear kind of what you've witnessed and, and experienced with that as well. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, so um, I, I can, there's various kind of phases. I think the, our, our, our cohort that graduated last year and this year, it's their first year in the classroom as, as professional educators, you know, they basically had to student teach virtually. They had to finish up their last semester, a couple of semesters virtually. So that put a huge, uh, challenge it presented a huge challenge for them as they entered the profession and even this first year was kind of like you know our, our, we're in masks and and we have to still you know um social distance and 
So it wasn't like, okay, great, everything's back to normal. Although some people wanted to think that, you know, there was definitely still that reluctance to, to go there. So, so I think for this, this, this first students or, or teachers who are in their first year of teaching, luckily what we did at the University of Texas and in, in our program is while we were, while they were finishing up that training virtually, we asked them to think about, okay, as they were writing curriculum or they were writing lesson plans or designing lesson plans, we did ask them to, okay, if you were teaching this in person, what would it look like? Now modify it for a virtual lesson, right? So, and they did that in their last year. Um, And so when they moved into the classroom for their first, as their first job, um, they were already thinking both as a student, having been a student in virtual learning, also having been a, a student teacher. So they had that mindset of like, okay, I can do either one. Where actually, and, and I've talked to some of them since, and they became those instructional leaders for some of those veteran teachers who are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know technology that well. So, so several of our first year teachers became some of those instructional leaders, even in their first year, uh, which, which is really challenging. For our current cohort who are, are currently student teaching, the middle of their training, of their undergraduate training kind of went virtual, right? So this year, when we came back to in-person classes, you know, kind of doing a survey of where, how they were feeling, how they were doing, what were their biggest concerns? And by far, their biggest concern was, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that I'm about to become a student teacher and most of my undergraduate training has been online in, in, sitting in front of a computer, right? So, so what we have done is we, we were already a very, a program steeped in experiential learning and field experiences and sending them out to observations. And so I, I know personally as a faculty member, as a professor, I am taking advantage of every possible opportunity to send my students out into the field to kind of give them back some of that time that they that they lost. We were already doing it pre-pandemic and now I just want to kind of you know double up on that so that and 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 to to uh, I will say to to a great deal of success we currently have 14 student teachers out in the field finishing up their placements and who will be graduating soon um, and certified and um, jobs are coming you know they're the jobs are opening up and and they're interviewing and and I, I am fully confident that they will all be employed, um, you know, before the next academic year starts. So, so it's definitely been a challenge how we approach it. I have stressed social emotional learning. I have stressed the importance of being a flexible and adaptable teacher, you know, to which theater teachers have been doing for years, right? We have been incorporating social emotional learning and we have been forced to pivot you know regularly um so now those skills are definitely coming into play and and yeah so that's kind of how we've dealt with it yeah it's it's been it's been challenging and i i as as i think i've mentioned a couple times on the show that 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 year that i watched my student teachers on zoom and no student had their camera on and no one responded to them for 50 minutes. And it was a one person show for that whole time. And I'm like, I, I don't know how you did it. And, you know, and I, I, we weren't trained to do that. Right. I mean, (laughs) so I, I, my hats off to them and, and they're the ones who are, you know, in their first year of teaching and they don't have, being in a classroom to practice classroom management to figure out how that works for them. They're, they're doing it now on their feet with their class. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. It helps to know that I'm not yeah. alone. <laughs> and even in their, even in their skills classes, you know, I mean, theater is just so much about human interaction and that, you know, uh, the use of the body and the voice. And so much of that was, was, was ripped away from us. So, um, and even our, you know, our production and our season was taken away from us. So those that were more artist, artistically inclined and wanted to participate in shows, you know, couldn't do so. So, so much was, was taken away, but also the way that they bounced back and the way that they found a way to make theater happen. One of my courses directing the young performer, which has a production component in it. I mean, they rose to the challenge like, okay, 
we're going to do it, right? So yeah, the resiliency, I think, really shown through in this generation of, of young educators. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael, I want to hear one or two of your favorite stories from your career so far. They can be those funny moments, those touching moments, the horror stories, whatever you've got popping in your head right now. Yikes. Well, I mean, I, I think just the, the funny stories, you know, is just having being on Zoom, you know, and, and since we're talking, since we're on that topic, and I think there was really just a sense of, you know, finding everyone in their living space, you know, and seeing, you know, and having their, their cat walk through their screen. I mean, for me, those were some of the most, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, talk about making connections. Now I see, you know, what you bring into the classroom, what you leave behind at home. And but now I'm seeing it. So, so those for me will probably, I mean, live on for a while. I will remember those moments. Um, the most touching and rewarding for me, and, and we've already touched on this, um, uh, because uh, as we talked about me as an adjudicator, as a reviewer, as somebody who gives a lot of feedback, um, my students graduate and they go out into their high school theater programs and they become directors. And then I have to go out as a, as a UIL adjudicator or as a high school musical theater. And I have to, I have to be that judge, right? I have to take, I have to put on that, um, you know, that fully fair and impartial, uh, you know, adjudicator. And, and I'm fully confident in my ability to do that. But for me, watching their work, you know, watching, you know, oh, I remember when we talked about that in class or remember, you know, as a student, they really struggled with whatever it might, blocking or kind of scene, scene design and then going to their shows, supporting them, whether it's just as an audience member or as an adjudicator, and saying, wow, look at how far this, this student has come. So, so those for, and, and just seeing them engage with their own students and how their students are now seeing them as, as, as men, they, they come into their own, right, as, as instructional leaders, as mentors. And so for me, those are probably the most rewarding moments is to see their work artistically and in the classroom. It just, it, it just gives me chills. And I, I am a very emotional person. So I, I, I will, you know, get teary eyed when I go see their shows. And yeah, so, so keeping those connections and, and hearing their stories, you know, when they come back and say like, oh, this happened to me, or I had a student tell me, you know, call me mom, or I had a student, you know, kind of refer to me as their favorite teacher. Um, those are just priceless for me. So, and that's really what I, what I, what I want all of my students to experience, along with all the challenges, of course, right? I really, really want to drive home the point to any theater teachers um, that might be listening is to elevate the art of teaching. When you do your careers in theater unit, don't overlook theater education as an option for your students. Um, and, and, and find ways to highlight yourself as a teacher and your journey bring in other teachers to talk about their journeys um, because as we mentioned, you know, the majority of them will not go on to become professional actors and designers and directors, but teaching is a very real possibility for so many. So cultivate those skills, elevate teaching as, as a profession and, and encourage them to, to seek that out. Not necessarily, maybe not even as a theater teacher, but as a teacher of, of another subject or another fine art, find out what their strengths are and, and encourage them to explore that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Michael, what is a resource that you currently use or have used that is a must have for theater teachers? We, we talked a lot about um, uh, culturally responsive teaching. Uh, something that I currently use in my secondary methods class is Culturally Responsive Teaching and the Brain um, uh, by Zaretta Hammond. So I, I highly encourage um, teachers to, uh, it, not, not as a textbook, but just for your own practice. You know, if, if culturally responsive teaching is something new to you, um, you know, look into Zaretta, the work of Zaretta Hammond. I, I really respect um, her as a practitioner, as an educator, and just kind of really shed some light on that on that field, um, and also if you're if you find yourself um, 
you know, kind of with students in, in of a, a, a variety of identities. Um, I use, um, there, there's a couple of, of books that have been out for, for a while now, but Monologues for Latino, Latina Actors um, is, is a great resource. And, and, you know, if you do have students in your classes who are bilingual, you know, helping them find those resources, you know, where they don't have to perform a Shakespeare monologue, or they don't have to perform, you know, um, you know, something that, that you might have ready, find those additional resources. So monologues for Latino and Latina actors. There's also another book um, uh, called Scenes for Latinx Actors. Um, and uh, both of these are edited by Micha Espinosa. Um, and yeah, those are two great resources. You put them on your shelf and whenever you're, you're, you're looking for a, um, a scene or a monologue for, for maybe bilingual students or Latinx students, you know, have them browse through it um, and, and pick something from, from, from that book. I, what, I, what I find is that students will engage more with those types of assignments when the material itself is, is a little more accessible to them. That and, and your organizations. Um, here in Texas, we have a variety. We have the Texas Educational Theater Association. Um, we have, uh, and then of course, Texas Thespians, but there's also, each state has their own, I think each state has their own thespian uh, chapter. There's also the National um, uh, EDTA, um, also the uh, American Alliance uh, for Theater and Education, AATE. So there's so many organizations just that provide advocacy. Uh, so those are great resources for any new teacher that any teacher should be aware of. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And my final question for you is what are your parting words of wisdom for that new teacher entering the field or that veteran teacher just needing an encouraging word right now? I think I have two things. One is to, if there's something that you want to explore, something that you want to do, go out and seek those opportunities, right? Grab onto the, if an opportunity presents itself to bring a certain experience to your students or for your students to engage with a playwright or to go see a show, really, really provide those, those experiences for your students. And, and what I mean by go out and see is, is don't sit, don't wait for them to come to you, right? They're not going to be handed to you. You have to do some of that legwork. So, so do what you can to provide those students, um, provide uh, those experiences for those students. And then also just trust in yourself Trust that you have a voice as a teacher and as a person and that your voice matters and that you're going to connect with maybe not all of your students. And sometimes it's just one student, right? But, um, you know, trust that you are a professional. Trust that you have a, a skill set and, um, and, and experience and background in teaching and in theater trust that that you are going to make those connections with those students. Just trust your work in general and know that you are making a difference. And it may not always come back to you right away. You might not always realize the impact that you are making for many, many, many years. <laughs> you know, so, so just trust that, that you're, if you make decisions with the best interest of your students in mind, then that's going to come back to you. Maybe not immediately, but somewhere down the road. Thank you. Thank you for that. Michael, I appreciate you joining me today to just chat about your stories and your journey and uh, sharing all your words of wisdom with us today. I wish you all the best with the rest of your semester and uh, your your students are very fortunate and blessed to have you as a, as a, a leader uh, on their journey. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much, Jimmy. I appreciate it. And that is a wrap for this episode of Fed Talks. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Tune in next week for the next one. We have so many great teachers coming up and so many that have already been with us. So if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, go on your favorite podcast provider, subscribe to us, rate us, leave us five stars, review us. More importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life who you think could benefit from what we're doing here on the show. Visit our website, www.fedtalks.com for the pages for all the teachers 
teachers who have been on our show, email me at fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. If you have an idea for a future guest on the show or suggestions or topics that you'd like to have on the show, email me. I love interacting with you on there and I always follow up. Follow us on all of the social media that's out there. We are out there on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks. On Facebook, we have a Fed Talks page and Instagram, Fed Talks Podcast. Once again, our website is www.fedtalks.com. Thank you, teachers, for all that you do. Thank you for listening. Continue to be the lights that you are and changing all those lives. I appreciate you. Take care.